You're listening to Strange by Nature, your guide to the strange, weird, unbelievable, and improbable wonders of the natural world. Thanks for being here today. I am Kirk Mona, and I am joined today by Rachel Ginza and Victoria Thompson. We are all professional naturalists who together have scoured the world for weird and wonderful wonders just to please your mammalian brain's desire for novelty. Isn't that nice? Let's do this. Okay, the time has come. It is finally time to talk about an animal that I think most people assumed, and actually I assumed, would appear sometime in season one. But no, we threw a curveball and waited until now. It's finally happening. What is We're it? talking about tardigrades. <gasps> hey, hey. I have to cross it off my list now. Same. Yeah, I figured we all had this on our list. Mm-hmm. Let, me, uh, let me go so, do that. Yeah, crossing it off right now. Them little uh, water these, bears. Yeah, these little creatures are so weird. I've actually been putting off talking about them. I don't think I can actually fit all of their weirdness into just one episode, but we're going to do like a highlight reel here, okay? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So if you haven't heard of tardigrades, you should look them up online. Uh, some people apparently find them cute. Yes. Uh, I think I think they're pretty weird or even, they dare, like dare I say it, gross looking. But to each their own, I guess. They don't do it for me. I mean, compared to other creatures of their ilk, they're cute, I guess. Compared to other creatures of their size, sure. Size, sure. sure. Yeah. Uh, they are, I, I um, suppose, yeah. some of them are, you know, pretty, uh, the other animals get pretty sort of alien, crazy looking. And these are, you know, there's there's a cuteness to them, I suppose. Uh, the photos you often see are, are like microscopic images. Because um, the first thing you need to know about them, uh, about tardigrades, is that they're very small. They're only about half a millimeter in length. So they tiny. You're going to need some sort of serious magnification to really get a good look at them. And packed into that small space are eight legs and a chubby-looking body. They basically look like an eight-legged pig, yeah. which is how they get their other name, moss piglets. Yeah. Because, you know, that sounds, that sounds so cute, moss piglets. Uh, it does. They're not as cute as piglets, but okay. So the diminutive creatures are found all over the world, uh, except for like Antarctica. Uh, and most, uh, you know, the more stu- scientists study them, like the more interesting they become. And so here's a few things that we know about tardigrades or moss piglets. Uh, on average, this may su- surprise people, they don't live super long. Really? Uh, something something like between three and 30 months. Huh. Oh, okay. So it, yeah, I, and okay. I think probably why people think they live longer is because they're known for certain extremes. And so you might think like, oh, they're so tough, they're going to live forever. Uh, but yeah, three to 30 months is how long they live on average. Some of them, of course, that's an average. Some are going to be longer, some will be shorter. Uh, they can survive, like I said, though, some pretty extreme conditions. Tardigrades have been frozen and then come back to life. That's now, pretty crazy. Yeah, that is weird to any of us, like in the three of us who live here in Minnesota, uh, we can tell you there's plenty of types of life that freeze in the winter mm-hmm. and then survive and come back. Um, but a bit more extreme tardigrades have been cooled down to negative 272.15 degrees Celsius. And that's about negative 522 degrees Fahrenheit for those of you trying to do the math in your head. Bit nippy. Uh, How close is that some- to absolute zero? Mm hmm. So basically very close to absolute zero. If you're talking (laughs) centigrade, yeah. Uh 272.15, so a degree away from absolute zero. Uh, So 
real, real cold. Now, I know a lot of our, our listeners are in more southerly climes, and they think it gets cold here where we live. But just know, people, this is crazy cold. Uh, keep in mind mm-hmm. that the air around us, which is mostly nitrogen, turns into a liquid at negative 320 Fahrenheit. And it, uh, you can actually get nitrogen to turn solid into a solid at negative 346 Fahrenheit. So this is way colder than even that. Uh, it's, you know, just, I know it's almost absolute zero, but just to put in something more tangible for us, it's cold enough to turn the air into a solid, uh, which is just <laughs> no absolutely, absolutely just so strange, I'm right? shivering thinking about it. Yeah. So yeah. they did this and the tardigrades survived. Which is simply that stunning is and amazing. Mind-bending. They can also survive heat, though not for super long. Uh, they've survived being subjected to 105 degrees Celsius, which is 302 degrees Fahrenheit. Now, that seems pretty badass, but keep in mind, they cannot survive hot temperatures for long. There was actually mm-hmm. a recent uh, study in Denmark that showed prolonged exposure to just 100 degrees Fahrenheit, which is a weather that probably a lot of our listeners experience on the regular in the summer, uh, that just that uh, temperature is enough to basically kill them Hmm. if they experience that for a prolonged period of time. And so with global warming, uh, you know, we're probably more and more places are likely to experience temperatures that reach 100 degrees Fahrenheit. So we could be having our little moss piglets uh, get into trouble if too many places get that hot. So maybe they aren't so tough after all, right? Mm-hmm. Now, they do have some other amazing feats and records that I want to go through. Uh, they have been to space, something been I to, have not done. I've not been They've to been space. to space. They've been in space. So Pretty they got sweet. me beat there. Uh, a research project took them out into space. Um, and I don't mean they took like a cushy ride up to the ISS to hang out. They were exposed to the vacuum and radiation of space <laughs> for 10 days and returned alive. Those poor uh, yeah. Now, yeah. I, mean, I should note, I should note a uh, little footnote on this. Um, all of them later died when they were brought back to Earth. So mm-hmm. they survived and they did survive long enough to reproduce and have offspring. But then they and their offspring survived, but they long term, they did not survive. So they there was probably some uh, some long term effect from being exposed to the vacuum of space for 10 days. OK, um, maybe so just another a really little. amazing. Yeah, just a little something there. Uh, another amazing thing about tardigrades is that they can glow to save their lives. And this is something I was not familiar with until more recently. Uh, this is from another study. And what scientists did is they bombarded them with what should have been lethal levels of UV or ultraviolet radiation. And by radiation here, I just mean light. Uh, so levels of UV light. And instead of dying, they simply absorbed the UV and then re-emitted it as blue light. Baller. That's so cool. Bonkers. Like, I, it, it blew. I'm like, what? I, it's like if you went to the beach and you got to limit too much sun and then you're laying in your hotel bed and you're just like glowing blue or something. I mean, it would be. It's science fictional. Yeah, it's so cool. So cool. So one of the reasons they can survive such harsh extremes, uh, such as the cold I mentioned earlier, uh, is that they can actually desiccate themselves. And I mean, remove uh, like 99% of the water in their body, uh, mm. which of course 
We cannot do. They actually enter a state of suspended life, which is called crypto, a cryptobiotic state or cryptobiosis. Um, and at that point, you call them a ton, T-U-N, which is kind of a neat little word for them. Mm-hmm. Um, we know that they can survive for as long as 20 years in this suspended state. They can be dehydrated. 99% of the water removed their body for 20 years, and you rehydrate them, and they're like, hey, what's, what's, what's going on? It's all good. Uh, so that just, that, that absolutely That's blows insane. my mind. There are, there are some other creatures that, you know, can create uh, that cryptobiotic state, but uh, this is just, it's so cool. Uh, one of my favorite facts about tardigrades and the fact is the fact that there are tardigrades on the moon. What? I'm What's sorry. What's that do for you? Hold yeah. on. What? <laughs> Make sure you're paying attention. Now, they did not grow up there. Uh, they're not local. Uh, they certainly are not crawling around on the moon, but they, I guess, technically are alive. They're probably in their, their suspended uh, state of life. A group of tardigrades was sent to the moon uh, as part of an Israeli lunar lander mission in 2019. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, it didn't go so well. <clears throat> I mean... I don't know if you can call crashing into the moon landing. Uh, <laughs> I mean, uh, so, they landed. Yeah, it was an uncontrolled landing. Um, yeah. However, scientists. Who, yeah, scientists who've looked at the you know the what evidence we have of, believe that the tardigrades probably survived the crash, and are still there today. Why? Uh, that was 2019. I mean, so that's not that long ago. Like they. They could still be viable if someone got there and, and rescued them. So uh, now in Go case you're curious, um, no rescue mission is planned. <laughs> so uh, that poor tardigrades. Um, yeah. So that that was just a little bit of some, some cool information about tardigrades. I feel like we need to do another deep dive on them later on for some of the other cool facts about them. But I wanted to introduce the topic, give sort of a, an overview on what amazing critters there are. Uh, I got some of my information from an article in Science Focus, uh, and then the scientific paper I referenced from Denmark uh, was called Thermotolerance Experiments on Active and Desiccated States of Ramazootius Variornatus. <laughs> emphasize that tardigrades <laughs> are... Sen- I, I'm trying. Uh, emphasize that tardigrades are sensitive to high temperatures. A very concise uh, research article title, if I do say so myself. Right. So They did great There job. you have it. Tardigrades, everybody. Strange, strange animals. We're going to take a break. And when we come back, it'll be Rachel. Strange by Nature podcast is brought to you by listeners like you who have joined the Society of Strange, our membership group on over at patreon.com slash strangebynature. Society of Strange members can join at one of three different membership levels and help support the show and also get some fun stuff like water bottle stickers or access to a super secret content. So a thank you to those who have joined already to help make this podcast possible. If you haven't joined yet, we'll see you soon over at the Society of Strange at... Patreon.com slash strange by nature. See you soon. All right, everyone. Um, I thought about doing something a little silly. Uh, and, you know, like I like to do uh, from time to time. But I think I'm just going to get into my topic this week. Uh, it's a okay. pretty dangerous and kind of explosive. Tree. Oh, 
Uh-oh. Wait. A, a dangerous and explosive tree? Uh-huh. Is that what you just said? A tree, yeah. Um, uh-huh. I'm trying to think of an explosive Explosive tree. tree. Uh-huh. I'm, I'm, Are, is I'm Is it I'm like ready. the seeds explode? <gasps> Ooh. Hold on to that thought. <laughs> All right. Now, it's colloquially known as, like, its common name is the sandbox tree, or it's one of the common names. Um, oh, okay. It's a pretty cool name, a pretty cool tree. Um, the scientific name is, stand with me here, it's been a little while. Oh, here, brace uh, yourselves, here we go. Hura crepitans, crepitans. One of those two. Ooh, I like the I like the accent you threw on the last one. Let's go with that. Yeah, um, it's a member of the Spurge family, and it's actually one of the largest members of the Spurge family. Okay, it's a Spurge tree. Yes, it is. Wow. Okay. Uh, I didn't realize Spurge grew into trees. This is I'm already. This is already strange. All right. So this it, it can grow up to 150 feet. Right. <laughs> okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's a big tree. It is a big tree. That's like the tall tallest end of it, anywhere from like 90 to 130 feet, generally speaking. Um, wow. Okay. So it's a pretty large tree. Um, not only is it pretty large, but uh, it, it, we'll we'll get into it. But you can find it in the tropics of like South America. Um, it, so like the Amazon rainforest and parts of Central America. Um, not only I should, I should <laughs> say the reason the reason Rachel is laughing is I, she's I Googled laughing it too. at the face, uh, the faces uh-huh. we're making when we're looking at the photos. Uh, Kirk, you look I, so excited. I, I yeah, do, <laughs> keep going. So the bark on this tree is particularly fascinating. Uh, it's where it gets uh, another one of his co- common names called monkey no climb tree. Uh, I can, yeah, I, I can see why no one would want to climb these trees. Uh-huh. Uh, multiple reasons why you don't want to climb this tree. Um, Do tell. So the bark all the way up, it, it's kind of like a tannish gray bark. But uh-huh. all the way up are these conical prickle or spike. Uh, they're pretty short and they're pretty close to the tree. But they're like thousands, and they cover the entirety of the bark and make it they, pretty much impossible. You're, un- you're underselling it. They look yeah. horrifying. Yeah, they yeah. do. They look like if you touch this tree, you would die. Like there are spikes, uh-huh. sharp spikes all over it. Yeah, there is. It's kind of like the tree decided, no, I need more armor than this, and put spikes it's, all it's, over you know, itself. Yeah, I, I got it. It's like someone g- glued. Um, uh, like shark teeth <laughs> pointing out yeah. all over the entire bark. Kind of, yeah. They're not necessarily that sharp, though. Oh, they look that sharp. They, all right. They're they're kind of sharp, but not hugely sharp. Um, I'm still not climbing it. Yeah, I, I wouldn't. Um, so, it, And it's a pretty fast-growing tree, too. Like, it can grow 12 feet in two years. Like, it's a really fast-growing tree. Um, okay. You kind of have to be, though. It grows on, like, the forest edges of... Um, and it, yeah, it grows on the forest edges, and it's often planted with, um, with like cacao trees and things like that. Um, it has, huh, okay, which is pretty fascinating. Um, but so the leaves, the bark, the fruit, and the sap 
all contain a toxic latex. That's lovely, it. lovely. That if you um, it comes in contact with your skin, uh, it will cause a rash. Um, and if you get it in your eyes, it will blind you. Oh, okay, awesome. Yeah. Oh. Um, historically, oh, this, this is sap- lovely. It's so good. Uh, historically, this has been used to poison the tips of darts and arrows and help actually like catch fish and things like that too. Okay, all right. Um, but it, just on a fun little side note of that, it can also be used medicinally. Um, it's, I mean, it's definitely toxic and is like caustic and an irritant, but an uh-huh. infusion of the leaves has actually been used to help treat leprosy. Which is pretty cool. Did it did it work? Lots of things were tried. Yeah, I I think <laughs> it worked a little bit, not well, okay. but it worked a bit. Um, but let's let's talk about that fruit, shall we? Yeah. Yes. So this uh, looks, fruit, it looks like a looks like a pumpkin. It does yes. look like a, a lot like a it looks like a small one of those pumpkin. little mini decorative pumpkins it's very yeah the little little gourd ones yeah a a greenish brown type pumpkin right um yeah here's the thing cute when when it's uh ripe when it's ripe uh you don't want to be anywhere near these trees at all remember how i said it uh was explosive oh um it does employ explosive dehiscence which means uh that's what is called is explosive dehiscence. 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 Um, it's Not when a word I know. Haha. I might be saying it wrong. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it is where when it's kind of a, a local one, at least for us, is like jewelweed, where if you touch oh, a sure, seed, yeah. it yeah. explodes. Well, when these get ripe, they explode. And, well, the seeds go about 60 feet away. And uh, the seeds disperse at about a speed of 150 miles per hour. Oh, you're kidding me. No. Uh, And they're parred, I'm guessing. Nice little projectiles. Nice projectile. They have been known to hurt people and livestock. That's what I was going to ask. Like, people get injured by these. Uh Uh-huh. They can. Um, and it makes a very loud, like gunshot type noise too, when it explodes. That's what I was just going to ask. Is it, is it, is it, are you in the woods and it's like, bam, 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 Uh you should run because there's seeds coming right at you. Um, and this is kind of what gives it its, uh, secondary name too, uh, which is the dynamite tree. Dynamite. So it is a dynamite tree. It is a dynamite tree. It's pretty, it's pretty fun uh i thought it was really cool but i learned i'm like i'm sorry the seeds disperse at how fast of a speed like oh, <laughs> I watched, miles an hour. 150 yeah. miles an hour they i watched a video uh while doing research for this um for this episode and they were wearing like heavy kevlar equipment and were tapping it with like a like a two by four and just like tapping right. it gently to, uh, the seeds to get it on like slow-mo camera like the fruit yeah and uh it went too fast for the camera <laughs> but <laughs> it was so cool to watch um wow. yeah so and these seeds are poisonous too you said yeah oh yeah they Lovely. will cause Lovely. um 
they will cause like diarrhea and cramps and things like that. The toxin itself is called um, derpentine. Derpentine. Hold on. Okay, those 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 are found in a number of different types of poisonous plants. So. Mm-hmm. Mm. So basically, the tree plays defense and offense, really. Yes, right. truly, it does not want to be touched. <laughs> um, the Oof. the toxin itself is called. Uh, you can do it. I know. Uh, we believe in you. Diterpene heratoxin. There you terpene go. Heratoxin. Yeah. Okay, and so it's from that same group of toxins, but this particular one is named after yeah. this species. Yeah, Perfect. and it's a latex, so I definitely should not go anywhere near this tree. Uh, yeah, I, I have a, if I get near um, ficus trees, if I get that sap on me, mm-hmm. uh, that's that's real bad. Yeah. Not good for you. Not great. Makes my, makes my eyeballs swell up. Oh, oh that's which awesome. I found, very unpleasant. I've, I've found that to be an unpleasant experience. <laughs> yeah, no ficus yeah. for you. Nope. No ficus. Well, that's what I have for you all today. Um, we'll take a quick Terrifying. Break. You're welcome. <laughs> Terrifying. Anytime. Anytime. That's the uh, scariest plant we've had in a while. I know. I saw it. I'm like, <laughs> yes. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. And when we return, it'll be Victoria. Well, Rachel, speaking of things that are scary, Excellent. Uh, a friend of the show recently sent us a link to an article from the <laughs> yes. Axi- Axios yes. News website oh, yes. uh, yeah. oh, gosh. with the following headline, I quote, giant spiders expected to drop from sky across the East Coast <laughs> this spring. Unquote. I did read that article. It was really great. <laughs> Our condolence to all of our East Coast listeners at this time. <laughs> it's, been, it's been nice to know you and have you with us. We'll miss you. Mm-hmm. Enjoy the spiders. So given... Right, tell, tell, us, tell us why it's not so scary. Well, yes. Given that I already did an episode about flying spiders, I figured I would take this one on. Uh, just, just to add into the mix another headline from CNN. Uh, this one said... Giant venomous spiders infiltrated the southeastern U.S. and are expected to spread rapidly, experts say. Oh, good. Awesome. Yeah. I love that. I love spiders. I can tell by the expression on your face that you do. Not. I respect them. I appreciate (laughs) the ecological service that they provide. I like that they are not in my house. Yeah. You know, I have uh, I have an agreement with the spiders in my house. I will leave them alone pretty much except for vacuuming. But if they show up on my bed, I will kill them. Valid. So that's fair. I think that's fair. Yeah. Anyway, these spiders in question are called Joro spiders. (laughs) uh, Latin name Trichonophilia. No, Trichonophila clavata. A lot of Latin. I think that's if, it. If, if, if Victoria is stumbling over the, yeah. uh, the scientific name. We're I didn't trying. practice. I, I should have practiced. They are originally from uh, Japan, East Asia, and Southeast Asia. 
and they are okay. indeed quite large when full grown. The adult female's body, is, the body, mind you, is 17 to 25 millimeters or up to one inch in length. And the span of the legs can be up to 10 centimeters or four inches. Oh, I don't like that. Oh, I I'm don't out. like that at all. Good night, everybody. <laughs> I'm hanging up the headphones. Hey, I'm Kirk, walking away. Kirk, that's not us. Moving to Antarctica. That's the East Coast. Yeah, they'll be here eventually. Yeah. yeah. And they fly. Well, we'll get there. Oh. Uh, <laughs> males are considerably smaller, though. Body size of 7 to 10 millimeters. Still a fairly big spider mm-hmm. <laughs> with the legs. Uh, they are really dramatic looking. Uh, I know you two looked at that article, so you've seen it. But yeah, they yeah. are, I mean, I think they're quite beautiful. The females' abdomens, they're when they're mature, are striped sure. um, bright yellow and blue-gray. And then there's a red patch toward the back. And they awesome. have these very long legs that are black with yellow stripes on them. And also the, the webs that they weave are orbs. So an orb web is just the technical term for your sort of typical spider web shape. Mm-hmm. Right, uh, the round ones, yeah. Yeah. Charlotte's web, So the, the, their orbs are made of golden colored silk and they are Ooh. huge. That's fun. Gigantic webs up to three meters wide. Oh, absolutely oh, not. 10 wow. feet. Oh, that is two now, Rachels. That is almost two Rachels. I'm good. Are they Thank actually you. are they actually made out of gold? Because that would be a nice money-making opportunity. Uh, I think scientists are currently investigating that. Okay, yeah. good. Interesting. I'm guessing not. But hey, I'm in if it's real gold. Yeah. Me up. The webs also have three layers. So that's kind of no, cool. No, why do you got to do that? Just oh, my gosh. Nine real, foot real three Real she stuff layered. going on here. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Imagine walking into one of those at night. No. <laughs> you you wouldn't I I mean it you just be covered. You are now the prey, you are wrapped in that spider web. Oh, but it's not going to wrap you up. Come on. No, I know, but 3 I mean 3 meters. She hasn't she hasn't even told us about them stinging or biting humans yet, so we'll we'll, yeah. we'll keep listening. All right. So, yes, maybe you're thinking it's beautiful, sure. But it's enormous. It's venomous, and it's going to be parachuting into the entire East Coast like some kind of arachnid D-Day invasion. <laughs> All of those things are more or less true, kind of. Uh, but you do not need to panic. Oh, good. First of, first of all, every spider is venomous. But yeah. very few spiders are dangerous yeah. to humans. Either their fangs are right. too small or weak to penetrate the skin, or their venom is not particularly toxic to us, or both. Uh, mm-hmm. In the case of the Joro spider, it's both. They have weak fangs and mild venom. Okay. Excellent. Uh, I like and that. like like many spiders, they can fly by ballooning. And if if you don't know what that's about, you can go back and check out our episode where I talk about that. I don't remember what number it is, but great callback. Yeah, some number. We'll episode. insert it. We'll, we'll insert the episode number right here. It was episode nineteen, the extreme episode. Part one. There we go. For any species, though, as large as a Joro spider, there is no way that a full-grown adult is going to be able to balloon. It's the newly hatched spiderlings that are going to balloon, and they're tiny. So, you know, the four-inch spider is not going to be dropping onto your head from, from oh, the good. sky. I like that. So also, got that going for us. they only, based on what we've seen so far, um, they only spread about 10 miles per year under 
kind of normal circumstances. There's, of course, the possibility that a whole bunch of young ballooning spiders, spiders could be caught in a storm and carried quite far. Mm-hmm. Um, but the idea that they're going to be simultaneously parachuting in over the entire East Coast is overblown. God, it's so it's so weird yeah, for yeah, mainstream yeah. media to overblow a science story like Imagine this. Imagine that. What? Who would have guessed? Huh? Rare miss. Rare miss. Finally, uh, yes, they are an invasive species. But, you know, some invasive species are worse than others, and some are not mm-hmm. as bad. So the Joros originally, as I mentioned, from East and Southeast Asia, and they have a very widespread range there. In Japan, they occur over the whole country, except in the northern main island of Hokkaido. So they can tolerate some freezing in the winter, but not like a lot of freezing. It's the, mm-hmm. it's the egg sacs over winter. So the, the adult female will lay the eggs in her sack and then die, and then the, the eggs will hatch in the spring. Um, scientists think that they could tolerate the current climate as far north as Pennsylvania. Of course, that range is going to shift northward as mm-hmm. climate change keeps happening. Uh, currently, they've been found in Georgia, South Carolina area. But, you know, they don't have any particular features that are, are flagging them as an especially problematic invasive species. So it remains, it remains to nice. be seen, yeah, if they, if they might possibly be able to outcompete and crowd out some similar native spiders. Uh, we have the golden mm-hmm. silk orb weaver and various large other orb weaving garden spiders, but there's no real evidence of that so far. And they actually have been shown to eat uh, an insect called the invasive brown marmorated stink bug, which is a major pest oh, of yeah. fruits and vegetables. That's awesome. Yeah, a lot of native spiders don't eat those bugs, but the Joros do. So that's, you know, a possible point, big point in their favor. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's nothing that we know about them that would prevent them being eaten by our birds or other spider predators. So, you know, unlike some other invasive species that show up here, they there would presumably be some natural checks on the population. So mm. as invasive species go, you know, not that scary. That's not bad. All right, all right. Yeah. Buckthorn well. is scarier. One oh, thing I did oh. want to add, though, that is scary is uh, in Japanese mythology, okay. there is a mythical creature. So the name for the spider in myth- in Jap- Japan is the Dorogumo. Uh, okay. And... S- there's a mythical mythical creature also called the Jorogumo, which is a spider that can turn into a beautiful woman who uh, then pursues men, seduces them, and eats them. Oh, good. So just take that for what it's worth. Uh, I'll take That's a rain fun. check on that one. <laughs> you know, fair, fair. All right. That's, yeah. that's fine. Oh, that's fascinating, though. So, I'm glad Jero we don't spiders. have to worry about them. Coming soon to an East Coast location near you. (laughs) Yay? (laughs) Thanks, Victoria. (laughs) Thank you, Victoria. You're welcome. That is all we have for you folks today. Thanks for all everybody for listening. See you next week. See you next week. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks, everyone, for listening to today's show. Be sure to subscribe. New episodes drop every Wednesday, and we love sharing this strange world with all of our listeners. If you would be so kind as to leave us a five-star review, that would be great. It lets other lovers of the strange discover the show. You can reach out to us on social media by searching for Strange by Nature Podcast on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. You can send us an email as well. Our address is contact at strangebynaturepodcast.com. 
If you want more information about the show, you can also check out our website, which is strangebynaturepodcast.com. Until next week, get outside, stay curious, and embrace the strange.